In April of 2004, Army Ranger Stephen Elliott was deployed with the 2nd Ranger Battalion to Afghanistan. The objective of Operation Mountain Storm was to kill or capture Osama bin Laden. On April 22nd, Stephen's squad was attacked by enemy combatants which resulted in four casualties, one of whom was former NFL safety Pat Tillman. It was told very plainly by all of us what happened, and it was concluded very clearly that it was friendly fire. That was the first time that the possibility that maybe I had fired on Pat and maybe hit him in, you know, what was practically darkness uh, had occurred. That's when um, the real, for me, the real um, survivor's guilt started kicking in. That's when the post-traumatic stress really started kicking in. Uh, that's when the nightmares started kicking in. Uh, that's when I started self-medicating uh, with alcohol. It was the point when you're, uh, you're pulling a handgun out of your gun safe at home and just thinking about the fact that this could all be over really easily. Um, not because I didn't have things I wanted to live for, but because I didn't know how to rest. I didn't know how to make it stop. You know, a lot of questions. Uh, a lot of questions like, um, why? Um, why did that happen? Why me? Um, whose fault is it? Um, is it my fault? Am I solely to blame? Is the chain of command's fault? Are they to blame? Are we both to blame? How do I deal with the guilt that I feel for having done what I've done? Uh, how do I deal with the shame that I feel for not just having done something potentially that harmful, but um, am I the thing that I did. We all have the same need to answer the same question of who am I and why am I and why am I here? Um, and in being here, what do I do with the fact that I hurt people, sometimes unintentionally, sometimes on purpose, and they hurt me? What do I do with that? This is part one of a conversation we had with our good friends, Stephen and Brooke Elliott. Theirs is a story of tragedy, depression, heartache, grace, and redemption. It's our prayer that by hearing their story, you can marvel with us at the goodness of God to repair and restore lives even when all hope seems lost. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. We're so happy to have you, Stephen and Brooke Elliott. Welcome. How are you guys? Good. I'm doing great. Thanks, you guys. Awesome. Yeah, we're, we're this is our second ever in-person interview yes and so it's awesome you get to look into your eyes and make sure you're not lying to us (laughs) (laughs) i'm just kidding yeah so it's gonna be a real treat today so brooke and steven you guys have an incredible story i think i probably alluded to it in past episodes but essentially it's a story of hope and redemption and we just want to get into kind of well yeah but first of all first of all they are our friends (laughs) yes they are and they've been our friends (laughs) for a very long time well i know but Stephen we knew was them on when. The TV. We knew them when. <laughs> we knew them. Uh, gosh, I feel like Stephen. I met you like in two thousand and four. Uh, it would have, yeah, it would have been the beginning in two thousand and four. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you, we were at church, and I don't know. You came in with a new crop of like Ranger guys or something. Yep, I did. And all I did. you guys showed up. We we just all they just dumped <clears throat> us off a bus and <laughs> go, go to church. church. <laughs> you devils. Yeah. Wow. yeah, yeah. No, we do. That's where we met. Yeah, and was, it's yeah. it's kind of interesting because I met Brooke at college. I was in a summer course or something at Pierce for just just a short stint. And we had a class together, and I just I was so drawn to you because she was just she was so smart, and she said <laughs> the most intellectual things. And I was like, wow, I got to know this girl. Like she seems just so <laughs> awesome. And so we kind of became friends that way. And then mm-hmm. I worked with her brother at Starbucks. Some random oh, connections, remember? Yeah. Oh my 
and he was like, "Yeah, this yeah. is my sister." I'm like, "I know you." <laughs> so we had yeah. we were we were friends before yeah. all of this. And it's crazy. Yeah. And you didn't meet each other. You didn't meet each other through us. You met no, each other in, through a, in another other mutual way. friends. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, how did so just explain that for us? Give us the context of who the are Elliot. you? Tell yeah. us who you are. Who are you? How'd you meet? Go. You want me to start or? Do you want to start? I think you should start. So you want me to start, and then you will stop me and tell me how it actually happened? Yes. <laughs> okay. Just, that's, I'm totally fine with that. Um, so, yeah, so I um, I joined the Army in 2003, or I started my uh, enlistment with the Army after I finished my, uh, my undergrad, my bachelor's degree in business. Um, graduated from Oral Roberts University, and then three weeks later I started basic training uh, at Fort Benning, Georgia. And then when all that was said and done, um, by that fall of 2003, I was assigned to 2nd Ranger Battalion at uh, just down the road at uh, Joint Base Lewis-McChord, uh, hmm. which put me here in Puget yep. Sound uh, at the end of 2003. And um, during that time frame, started um, yeah started going to a church in the Tacoma area that you guys were at at the time. And mm-hmm. Brooke was also attending at the time, and that's the just the initial right. real basic uh, brush strokes of how I came <laughs> to even be in the Puget Sound and, and we came to, uh, Brooke and I came came to meet mm. in the end of 2003, beginning of 2004. Wait, so did you guys meet at church? Or did, yeah. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. that's where we first met. Gotcha. Interesting. And then how did, so how did. I think I knew that fact. Well, how did that? How did that go? Like, what are the juicy details? I know, I, I know, you guys are both brilliant people, so I know that your intellects were just like magnets drawing you to one another. But did, did you did you put out the vibe, Stephen? I mean, be honest. I was reading War and Peace, and I just bumped into her in the Russian, right? You're reading it, in yeah, Russian. in in acrylic. It's really challenging. Is that okay? That's um, no. I you should you should tell that. Oh. Uh, <laughs> um, it was actually at a friend's house where we met. Oh. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a friend that where we would go and play games and hang out. It's like a young people's group. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was 23, I think. And, uh, yeah, which I felt like an old maid because I already had a little toddler mm-hmm. at home. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Stephen walked in after we'd been hanging out with... he. I, he walked in and we were hanging out and he was with uh, one of his friends, Josie and Evan, who he's still friends with. Mm-hmm. And um, and I remember thinking that he was the hot one. Oh, there <laughs> that is. was my very first. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I have to do this. So Stephen has a book. We'll talk about it later, but it's called War Story. And in the back flap, look at this oh, picture geez. of Stephen. Yeah, the smolder. The smolder. Oh, I'm going to post a picture on the, on the interwebs for everyone to see. Yeah. But I see why. I see why you thought he was attractive. <laughs> well, see, the thing is, um, I had, at the time, it's, it's funny as you would think that, because I look like either, well, you, you look like a cop or a mental patient, um, <laughs> which in between those two, it's just you have a bad haircut in the Army. Right. So, um, right. so yeah, we, we me and Evan and Josie and I, we were kind of aliens from a different planet landing in, yeah. in that mm-hmm. apartment that night. But, yeah, that's where we met. And then it wasn't... Um, then we would just sort of bump into each other randomly at things at church. And then I deployed uh, that spring, uh, my first and only deployment to Afghanistan, hmm. uh, April and May of 2004. And then when we got back um, is when we started dating. And uh, that was we dated throughout that summer and, and then continued to date uh, at a distance when I got reassigned from yeah. JBLM uh, that summer. 
So that there's a lot that happened in that little moment that you just explained. <laughs> and so I don't want to I don't want our, our, our listeners to wonder. So if you could, I know this is, it's a very complex, complicated yeah. thing. Yeah. But I'd love for our, our listeners to hear exactly what happened on that first deployment. Yeah. And help connect those dots for what happened later in your relationship and kind of what were, you know, except you had some trauma and some things you were dealing with. Yeah. So what happened uh, when you were in Afghanistan? Yep. So we went as part of we being our um, our ranger company. We went to the Afghan-Pakistan border as part of what they call a spring surge. So uh, mountain passes open up and uh, people are able to move much more freely. Mm. And so there is uh, more of a troop presence um, that was uh, needed, particularly at that point. I mean, it's. It's crazy that it's been 18 years, effectively, yeah. um, where units like the Ranger Regiment have effectively been continuously deployed since 9-11. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so um, while the troop presence in Afghanistan in, in aggregate has reduced drastically, uh, the operational tempo for units like Ranger SEALs, um, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera, hasn't really changed. Mm-hmm. So uh, we were early, early on in the war, relatively speaking, and uh, we went um, and we were there to conduct raids and patrols. And then um, I was assigned, so the platoon that I was a part of um, had also uh, two brothers that were in it, uh, Pat and Kevin Tillman. And um, Pat had gained some level of notoriety, although I hadn't really honestly followed it all that much. But uh, Pat had given up a multi-million dollar uh, contract extension uh, in the NFL uh, in favor of military service. Mm. His brother Kevin joined as well. And um, so they were guys that I worked with. I, I worked with Kevin pretty closely because we were in the same squad um and then uh yeah, pat was in the same platoon so so we all deployed and then on april 22nd 2004 um our platoon was ambushed and um there was a mm. variety of confusing and mitigating circumstances our platoon had been split prior to that ambush to uh, accomplish two separate objectives uh which was highly unusual um mm. and um and that that helped kind of perpetuate um, a lot of more confusion uh, in the midst of that engagement. Um, But as we, um, as that engagement concluded, uh, it was evident that um, we as platoon had sustained four casualties, uh, two dead and two wounded. Hmm. One of those that was killed was was an Afghan military soldier who was fighting with us, and uh, the other one who was killed uh, was Pat. And then as things began to further develop and become known, it was it was evident very, very quickly, um, like within 24 hours, that all of those casualties, the two KIAs and, and um, the hmm. two, two that were wounded, were all as a result of friendly fire. Wow. Where one part of the platoon had mistakenly fired on another part of the platoon, uh, believing them to be the enemy. Yeah. And then as that continued to unfold, it, be, it was evident, uh, you put the pieces together, um, that there was probably, and we don't know to this day, you know, uh, what rounds or who fired the rounds that, that killed Pat. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it's likely that, you know, one of two Rangers fired those rounds right. and I'm one of those two men. Wow. And so, um, that was the deployment. Um, you know, there was investigations that took place and, and, um, debriefs and all sorts of stuff. And then they, they tried to get us back in the field doing more raids mm-hmm. and patrols as quickly as they could. Um, to try and get some positive momentum, uh, if you can call it that, in the midst of a war zone mm. before coming home. And then we came back, and um, and then not long after, Brooke and I started dating. And, um, mm. and I mean, in fact, really that event and, and that deployment from even our very first date was something that um, has been 
part of our relationship. Wow. Mm. I want to make sure and redirect our, our listeners to that whole, your, you share your whole story at great length mm-hmm. on the Nations podcast, which yes. you and I get to share yes. the privilege of serving on the board for Nations Media. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to gloss over that. It's a very intense story, a lot going on, complex, a lot mm-hmm. of complex yeah. things that happened there. And you go through that in excellent articulation, excellent detail. Um, and actually in your book too, War Story. And um, it tells your whole story. But the thing is, and that's where I want to get, is it's not just about this sensational story, right? right? And, and what I mean by it's been sensationalized yes. because you have Pat Tillman, who was kind of this picture of patriotism. Yes. And I remember so vividly, I was a janitor, so I wasn't quite as patriotic <laughs> as, as you. Um, but I remember I was mopping this floor. I can picture it. The door, I was approaching this door, mopping the floor. And I was listening to headphones, probably radio or something. And I remember like, or it came on on the TV screen in like the workout room and it said like this is what had happened like this guy Pat Tillman had been shot and and it was friendly fire and I remember thinking oh my word I can't believe and as a young man I was just like Mm -hmm. this picture of Patriot and they were spinning it in that way yeah right that's right and I remember that so vividly and, and then to see I'm just so blown away at God's kind of sovereignty in all this and that we're friends now looking yeah. back on it not so that we can wallow in it which is what I love about how you share your story Yeah, it's so that we can see God's redemptive power in that mm-hmm. and so that's what we're going to spend our time talking about is is how he has redeemed you in, yeah. and where you went so yeah. you come home So I, well redeemed you and your relationship and your because relationship. you said this is kind of the first <clears throat> right. so Brooke talk to us about when you guys met and how did you share any of this information with her? Were you allowed to share? Like, how how did that kind of affect and begin your relationship, I guess? So our first date, um, I think we ended up spending like six hours together. It was just like this ongoing, you know, one thing to Mm. the next, Mm. bookstore and out to eat. And then we ended up at 72nd Starbucks in Tacoma. Mm. Oh, wow. And I um, saw his KIA bracelet, Mm. which was... um, Another guy who had he passed away in small it was a um, brief segue or interjection the uh, you're always encouraged at regiment anyway to mm. um, uh, learn the story of a fallen ranger mm. and then where um, sometimes you see those silver mm-hmm. ka bracelets yeah. Yeah. and um, the guy whose bracelet I wore was a guy by the name of John Mark Price who um, he was in my or I was in his platoon, and and he died um, on the jump, jumping into Panama in nineteen eighty nine. Oh wow! And um, and so and there's pic, you know, his like there's memorabilia mm. and pictures of John Mark and his family, like in our platoon AO. So like, gotcha. you know the stories of of those guys. Wow. Um, wow. So I had that bracelet on, and she she asked about it. Because I literally knew nothing about the <laughs> army. Right. I mean, I can't even yeah. tell you how little I knew. And so he began to tell me the story of what he had just very recently experienced. Because mm-hmm. our first date was, I think, July 7th. Okay. You know, that year. And he had um, had gone through everything in April. And so, you know, he tells me the whole thing. And this guy named Pat Tillman, which I had no idea who that was. I mean, I was a college student, single mom, you right. know, not really in following it, right. what's going on in the news or definitely not football. And um, and I was just like, okay. You know, I didn't really mm-hmm. think – just the gravity of it definitely did not set in or how, like, he was impacted by it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And the reason I, I even shared that on our on our first date um, wasn't for lack of other things to talk about. It was because at that time, um, 
during that time, between the time that I got home in just the month of June, mm-hmm. um, a lot of things transpired and we got back where um, the news that we thought was obvious and the world had been told that Pat was killed by friendly fire. Right. Turns out that's not the story that was being told back here. Mm. And so the wheels were kind of falling off the narrative that the Army was telling. And then um, I went from being part of the unit to basically being told that you're fired and that we're going to send you to the big Army. And so part of it was, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know where. Mm -hmm. And so part of that was, frankly, it was like this big can of worms. It was sort of like, well, I want to continue dating you, essentially. (laughs) And... um, Mm -hmm. But my future as a – and it also felt somewhat like she's asking about, you know, the bracelet I'm wearing. And and that's part of the uh, sort of identity as a ranger. And it almost felt disingenuous to just be like, oh, yeah, I'm a ranger when I knew very soon I wasn't going to be. Mm. And so it was sort of like, well, it's a liable mission if I don't say that. And then if I just say that – you know what I mean? Like you just open up this like, well, I guess we're talking about it. Yeah, there's no shortcut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was sort of – I mean, that was – it was – Surreal, but also normal. It felt very normal to speak of it with you. I remember that. Um, that conversation, I remember, it felt, it only felt surreal or strange to the extent that in my mind it should feel strange. Right. But it didn't feel strange. Hmm. Um, no, it didn't. It didn't actually because, because hmm. um, our relationship, <laughs> it just, from the very beginning, it felt ordained. Like it mm. felt like wow. this is what is happening we're not going to just try this on and you know and see i mean i had had a spiritual experience which i did not tell him about at the time because it would have freaked him out probably (laughs) (laughs) he would have like ran for the hills but um i mean it was just a maybe four days before that where i had like an overwhelming spiritual Mm. experience of knowing that this is who God had for me. Wow. That's Which the best I- way to scare a boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. Yeah. Good news. Yeah, good news. <laughs> God told me. Yeah, God told me that. That's always a good one to start. Um, so I was like, it is So it all felt really that. natural. Yeah, even yeah. though it was a tough conversation, it was natural. Yeah, yeah. And it was, we were just from the beginning, like this is a very hmm. a serious road we're walking down. Mm-hmm. And for him, I think it was too, because I was a single mom. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I had been praying for a year for God to just bring Mm. my person, bring my my partner Mm. to me. Um, I don't want to date. I don't want to mess around. You know, I don't have time for that. And I'm not going (laughs) to jerk my daughter around. Yeah. And I just was like, he's my answered prayer. So I remember, um, Stephen, and listening to that podcast that I mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. just this this was a big thing for you to join the army, right? Because it's a generational thing. Yeah. It was a family thing. There's a lot of uh, pride that went into that. Also the, yeah. the kind of the spirit of patriotism after nine mm-hmm. 11, yeah. this decision after college, not to go into the officer, candidacy, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. The, uh, OCS. Right. Yeah, that's right. You went straight into like enlist. That's right. Because you wanted to be a ranger. That's right. And so this effectively like was your one deployment. Mm-hmm. And I read this in your book and it was like, you, you didn't, you never, you didn't feel like you really, earned the ranger title at least that's what that's what it seemed like to me that's right and that you're bringing that back with you along with the regret of Uh being a part of this tragedy yep and so you're there's a lot going on in your heart at this time and and that's sending you down a road that you maybe weren't aware of at the time the Mm -hmm. the anxiety the depression Mm -hmm. so i want to hear let's let's kind of flesh that out the how that that aspect of your trauma 
Yeah. Really affected your early dating years, early married years. So you date for a period of time. At, at some point you got married. Yep. I'll let you go from there. Yeah. So, I mean, we got back and it was really, when we look back out, we look back and certainly, you know, writing the book and this whole journey has provided, you know, ample yeah. opportunities for reflection. And there's been certainly, when you experience something, it's your normal. And so it's it's hard mm-hmm. to have, you know, any sort mm-hmm. of context beyond sort of a, maybe a, an intellectual appreciation for that was bad or that was hard. Mm. Um, and But when we look at, at least, yeah, I think when we look at a lot of both our certainly just, yeah, our, our early years, you know, dating, mm-hmm. marriage, whatever, it's just like, how how are we not divorced sooner? <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, okay, I mean, because yeah. it yeah. wasn't even you know, yeah. it was just the um, yeah, I was coming home you know with with war trauma that I didn't even have a name for, mm-hmm. and at the time we started dating, mm-hmm. I was still uh, I was in shock, frankly, right. and um, yeah, so, actually the symptoms hadn't kicked in for quite a while, really, yeah. yeah, and so so we started dating in July, and by September he was shipped off to the East Coast, okay, so. Oh, wow. We had, you know, a two month or so <laughs> normal dates where he would pick me up in his cool car and we'd go out for dates. Cool car, I gotta hear about this fun. one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, was it a Camaro? <laughs> <laughs> I rock Z. No, it was. Uh, it was a Subaru Rally Ooh. Sport. Oh, do you still have that car? I feel I like you might still have that car. You had a Subaru for a while, didn't you? Yeah, that was it. That was it. Oh, I yeah. sold it to a nineteen-year-old who appreciated it far more than I did. But I miss it. I miss it. That was a that's, fun. That's like awesome. that was like the it's Northwest awesome. Northwest car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Brooke. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so we we spent two years and eight months. Wow. But nobody's counting. Apart with him on the East Coast. And we couldn't justify, you know, Gracie and I moving there. Like, Mm -hmm. Gracie has a really good relationship with her dad. Mm -hmm. So we just spent that time apart. So when we're separated, we got married. You know, we bought a house, two houses, actually. married while you were apart. (laughs) Yeah, we got married the following summer, following August 2005. Mm -hmm. And I still had, you know almost two years left of my enlistment yeah and it was it was also as yeah gracie you know she had you know visitation and schedule and stuff with christian who's in seattle but then also like my job on the east coast uh, i was working for uh, basically as an aide to a couple different general officers so technically my stuff and my address was in fort jackson south carolina i was never there Mm. so like where they would have been authorized to live would have been fort jackson meanwhile i'm traveling like five or six days a week so then it was just like well if that's going to be reality why bring them out here where they have no family no connections no community it just felt like all we have to do is just sort of um just wait it out essentially until i get out and then i can move back to to puget sound Mm -hmm. so so yeah that was the but then during that time um, you know, there is uh, a myriad of things. One is you're, you're apart from somebody that, that you love and mm-hmm. that you want to build a life from. And the Army is between – and there's a million reasons at any given point in time. And anyone who's listening who's been a military spouse or been in the military or whatever, you know, there's a million reasons at any given point to be frustrated with the military. Mm-hmm. Um, just, yeah. There just is. It's, mm-hmm. just, it's just difficult. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, feel it, powerless. Yeah, because right? yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's service yeah. In, in, to the nth degree. And so um, – but during that time – um, yeah, that's when, you know, um, hypervigilance and depression, anxiety, nightmares and, and all that stuff really became mm. much more pronounced. There was still, you know, we had done two investigations in country and sort of the lesson that that you're learning. Um, you're always learning whether you're learning the right thing or not. 
And we're always following a narrative whether we want to believe we're following a narrative or not. And the narrative that I found myself following was this will never end Mm. because Mm. we're in the FOB in Afghanistan. Uh, We do critical incident debrief. Everyone understands it's an accident. And then we're back out doing missions. The, the Ranger Regiment is not a unit that you continue to be a functioning part of the unit if there's any question about right. your professionalism. So then the lesson you learn from that is, I guess that's over. Um, mm. Then there's another investigation. It's like, well, okay, I'm not sure why that was the case, but I guess it's over. And then you go home, mm. and then you right. realize, oh, wait a second. Now I, I'm 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 leaving Fort Lewis. I don't have a job in the red. I, so and then it's investigation number three right. and then wow. it's investigation and so it was there was literally the investigations didn't stop until i was two months from being out of the army wow. no kidding yeah. wow and so that that continued to perpetuate and then during that time frame we're apart that's stressful right i'm working a ton that's stressful i'm finishing my mba um because i'm trying to um, basically stick it to the army and show them that that's fine. If, if, if this is how it's going to go down, I'll use your money to, <laughs> right. you know, uh, tuition yeah. dollars. wasn't quite that bad, but wasn't some days it was, much, that's what it was. <laughs> um, and so you have all these stressors on top of it. Um, and then, Oh, I remember there was a period of time where we didn't know he was going to, if he was going to face criminal charges. Yeah. Actually. Right. Really? I mean, that, yeah. I remember that okay. being, that was a final stressful. investigation. Wow. That's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty Cause you've yeah. already been apart all this time and yeah. now you're just looking at, yeah, we oh, don't know wow. what the future holds. And so, wow. so during that time I was, uh, I was self-medicating a lot. I was drinking a ton. Um, yeah high functioning, you know, drink myself to sleep, wake up, you know, um, just not taking care of myself in general, like that in and of itself is just, that's not healthy and that's going to affect your mental state. Hmm. Um, and so that's what happens. You get, you get sort of, um, you get things piled on top of one another and then you're just in a downward feedback loop, um, where you're using things that make things worse to try and make things better. Hmm. And that just doesn't stop. Ask a question where, how are you guys feeling about, God in this whole thing was God just kind of like mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. he's there but I really have some bigger stuff like where are or where are you God what 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 were you all feeling kind of in terms of your faith because obviously mm-hmm. you were both believers yeah. and yeah. you met each other knowing yeah. that um, but in the midst of this everything sort of blowing up and falling apart after mm-hmm. every uh, after your deployment yeah where would you say God was mm. or your perspective of him. And your experience of him or lack thereof in that yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Good question. Um, for me, I was still building that relationship mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. Like I felt really new to it. Honestly, yeah. I had started seeking, you know, at a really young age, and um, as a teenager, you know, I didn't grow up in church or anything like that. Um, but. Yeah, so it was all really new for me. I, I don't think that I had necessarily a solid foundation to stand on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um did you like, deal with like anger towards god at no, all or okay mm-hmm. i never did yeah. i never did have any anger towards god <coughs> steven on the other hand so you're on the east coast yeah <clears throat> you're dealing with all this internal yeah turmoil yeah self-medicating with alcohol yeah. high functioning um starting to question your faith i'm assuming yeah. And Brooke, what are you mm-hmm. what are you seeing as a wife now? Mm-hmm. Um, what's happening in your husband from thousands of miles away? And how's that making you feel? Mm-hmm. Well, because Stephen is so 
high functioning as just like a human being, um, it was actually really hard for me to even know. I mm. didn't really yeah. know the depth of what he was wow. going yeah. through. I didn't know that he was having, um, you know, terrifying nightmares right. that keeping him up at night. I didn't know that for years. Wow. And I remember um, because he was totally new to drinking. Mm. Like he didn't drink in college, mm. and it's just. You know, very straight edge. Um, <laughs> it's like an Olympia thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was straight edge in high school, too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> MXPX. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so, um, which, you know, I I was not. I was completely the opposite when I was, um, you know, a teenager and stuff. And so I remember him telling me that, like, it's so weird. I had some wine, and then I woke up, and, and I don't remember it anything and I woke up in a different place and all this I was like ah that's called blackout drinking <laughs> good morning not a, some not wine a good, not a good yeah. sign right not a good a sign sip. right not a good sign and so I think that um, I, I was putting some pieces together because I was taking a psych 101 class and I learned about PTSD in my sure. textbook and I was like get a load of this mm. and I read it to him I was like I think this is what you have wow. mm. but even at that time I didn't realize you know how bad it was or how bad it was going to get right actually mm. right. I thought oh you know you could just get okay we know what it is now it's like yeah, yeah I mean yeah. there has to be yeah. just I think I still <clears throat> felt very hopeful and it probably a lot of it was naivete yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Stephen where were you at in this um, it was, yeah, it was, it was the beginning of a pretty long, dark tunnel. Some of it self-imposed, frankly. I mean, from a, um, from a spiritual standpoint, kind of to answer that question, I went from the, the way I describe it. And I think the, the easiest way to, to summarize it is going, going into Afghanistan in 2004, um, in hindsight, I, I was very much the, the older son from the, the story of the prodigal son that, mm. that Jesus tells in mm. Luke 15, yeah. um, where, um, I'm not, nece- I'm not necessarily the villain, mm. you know, I'm not right. the bad guy in the story, but I'm the guy that believes that he has a seat at his father's table because he's actually a pretty good guy and he works hard <laughs> mm. and he tries hard. Mm. And, um, that's mm. why. I have a seat at the table, and because um, I deserve it, frankly, <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. right, um, and I'm pretty good at not bragging about it, which <laughs> should count for something, some right? Too. So Super humble, humble yeah. exactly. Um, so, and then, so then, I was effectively the man who was building his house on the sand. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about complete pagans. He's mm-hmm. talking about right. the religious right. elite who's just like, mm-hmm. you can build it on the rock, you can build it on the sand, and, right. and you're building on your own self-righteousness, mm-hmm. and that's what I built it on. So then when that's all torn away, then you realize that, oh, God was really my insurance policy, mm-hmm. where I'm pretty good. Like, I'm like 88 92% good most of the time. And um, I'm paying my dues with whatever spiritual discipline, you know, um, mm-hmm. however you want to define that with, you know, going to church, reading the Bible and, and whatever else. And so then that means that it's God's job to underwrite mm-hmm. um, whatever it is I feel like he's leading me to do, which means it's going to look a certain way and it's going to wind up a certain way. Mm-hmm. Right. And then when it doesn't, then you basically um, – and it doesn't – not just in a, oh, gee whiz, I didn't get that promotion or, you know, gosh darn it, you know, we didn't get that house we wanted. But it's – I have soul-crushing guilt and shame that I have to live with. Mm-hmm. I'm still alive, and I just wish I wasn't. Wow. And so why did you leave me alive? Wow. Like why did you take me down that path mm-hmm. if you knew it was going to bring me here? 
And so then you go from being the older son to mm. being the younger son. Mm. And you basically say, fine. If this is what it looks like, cut me a check. I'm out of here. Right. You can take your table. You can take your feast. You can take whatever it is that you got going on here, and I'm going to go do my own thing. Mm-hmm. I'm a good person, mm-hmm. however you want to define that. <laughs> um, we always seem to find ourselves on the right side of that line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a good person. Um, I don't need the complexities of trying to reconcile um, a God who is supposed to be all-loving and all-powerful with what I'm doing. Because if he's all-loving, why is he allowing this to happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and I basically came down on the side of um, what, which, which one? He's not both. He's one or the other. Mm-hmm. Right. But in any case, I'm not interested. And so I had I had – I mean I had – like I tried to attend church a couple times um, when I was out, uh, not that going to a building per se is, right. but as far as like that's what I knew how to do. Yep. And I remember walking into, uh, it was a giant, um, great, in retrospect, I was like, oh, so those are really good people, you know, giant <laughs> Baptist church, because I mean, that's redundant. I'm in South Carolina. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, um, just walking this church and like, I remember sitting there and just, it was it was as though I was, in a room with like just foreign language written all over the wall where it was just like why what is this Mm. like why am i here like why are you here like what is this for like Mm. i had been you know culturally just swimming in those waters my entire life and i just sat there and it's just like this is the stupidest way that i can spend an hour and a half on a sunday Mm. wow and then i went you know maybe a couple times and then people would try and talk to you at church which they're so (laughs) nice in the south (laughs) and so then it's just like i realized pretty quickly that well if i'm going to do anything beyond just listen to the sermon i'm at risk of actually having to Mm -hmm. tell people what's going on with me or just have to lie to them so then I would maybe go on like a Wednesday night and I'd sit in the back and get, you know, get there late and leave early. Mm-hmm. And then eventually it was just like, this is just a waste of my time. Right. And, um, and it was just, I was, I had built on the wrong foundation. And wow. so what, what happened there was, um, was me uh, walking away from the Lord um, because he was not giving me what I thought I deserved. Wow. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm hearing a theme and it's kind of an obscuring of of yourself to yourself also mm-hmm. an obscuring of God you know, we always talk about living transparently mm-hmm. and this feels like the opposite of that mm-hmm. yes oh, yeah. <laughs> right and so you're doing that to church like people you're doing that to each I mean he's doing that to you Brooke mm-hmm. and you know, to the point where you don't even know what's going on from a thousand mm-hmm. you know two thousand miles yeah. away or whatever so not a good path no uh, we can agree in hindsight not a good path so at some point you you were you were um, let let go the, from the army, right? Yeah. Well, I finished my enlistment. I mean, I um, you know I, I was released for standards from the regiment, released, what they yeah. call it, um, in the summer of '04, and then my enlistment ran till '07, and I served honorably, and you know, yep. was that's what know. I meant. I didn't know how to say it, but yeah, you were, yeah. You were released. <laughs> exactly. That's the right word. Not let I go. Ran away. Military, <laughs> military lingo. <laughs> would, yeah. yeah. No, I would have run away sooner if I could have, but um, but no. Then and that there was some for a brief period of time there was some conversation around am I going to stand or not, but that pretty quickly was just like sure. It was easy for me you know to just kind of even sum up that point it was as far as where I was at I was externalizing all my problems mm-hmm. when I was yeah. the common denominator yeah. in all of them mm. um, and the, the most easy the easiest villain which is always an easy cheap shot villain is the military right mm. um, it's the army's problem mm-hmm. and um, I mean I had been trying to get reassigned back to Fort Lewis you know it's just like well if I could at least get back there there's infantry units there I'm an infantryman I mean just right. put me in a squad I can do that um, for who knows why that never worked. And so um, it was basically just, I'm drinking, I'm unhappy, I'm depressed. 
um, because I'm I'm separated from my wife geographically, and because I'm in a job that I hate, mm. and and so once that's done, once mm. I come home, and that 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 created in hindsight too that was so dangerous because mm-hmm. then there was this like years worth two years and eight mm-hmm. months worth of buildup right. mm-hmm. to me coming home. Expectations yeah. When he comes home it's and he's not in the army, mm-hmm. it's just going to be all better. It's going to be smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. And, yep. right. Which is not the story. <laughs> so, so, yeah, what happened when you got home? Let's talk about that. Yeah. What was that like? Um, it's, it's hard to remember exactly. Like, I remember opening the door mm-hmm. when he wow. had first got there. Um, he drove across the country he stopped in kansas for a little bit and visited his family and then drove on to see us and he was uh arriving to a house that we had bought that he had never seen Mm -hmm. we had bought it a few months prior to that Mm -hmm. in olympia Mm -hmm. and um you know he had gotten a job in finance and i had started at the evergreen state college Mm -hmm. to finish my undergrad and Gracie was starting at the Waldorf school and we were so excited like it was like yes this is where we're supposed to be yeah. right really really felt that and um you know I think part of the reason he could manage so well was because he was just living this bachelor life over there right. so coming home and you know having an instant family with a wife he's never lived with mm-hmm. you know that's hard enough wow yeah and then yeah. a little girl mm-hmm. who's going into kindergarten and so yeah there's a lot of different dynamics and kids yeah. are at that age are so much more aware and able to verbalize what yeah. is going on around them yeah. and question things innocently yeah. i think yeah. but yeah for sure yeah also begin picking at you and you're like yeah I don't want to deal with this. Yeah. <laughs> and combined families are really, really hard. Right. Mm-hmm. And right. I've seen that over and over with, you know, various friends and stuff. So um, that's just a difficult thing. You know, Gracie mm-hmm. had me to herself for five and mm-hmm. a half years, you know, and now she has to share me with this stranger mm-hmm. that she barely knows. Because, you know, he would come to visit, but it would be like a week here right. and, right. you know, a few days there yeah. over that period of time that he was gone. And so, you know, Gracie would do normal little girl things. Right, right. You know, she would scream about something or she would drop something <laughs> and make a loud noise or run through the house. And Stephen would be like visibly and sometimes he would verbalize his frustration mm-hmm. and, you know, his like startled response that mm-hmm. he would have to her. And, and even like to this day, sometimes something will be really loud yeah. and I will look at him and just, see. and just be like she has a startup response it's like, now, looking for <laughs> yeah. my startup response so. yeah. yeah yeah so I feel like in a way I've been conditioned and I'm having to uncondition myself yeah. right for his responses that he would just you know it was completely out of his control mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wow so and obviously this would start perpetuating um I guess sparks flying and not the good kind between mm-hmm. you two yeah. mm-hmm. because you're mm-hmm. trying to mm-hmm. be a parent, yeah. which Grace is learning that both of you are her parents, but yeah. trying to manage both of them basically. It yeah. was really, really difficult. And Steven was very withdrawn. And so, like, okay. the happy home that I was hoping we would have, where, right. you know, Gracie would be able to build this really beautiful relationship with, with Steven, um, that wasn't happening. 
Make sure you listen to the next episode for part two of Stephen and Brooke's story. You can find Stephen's book, War Story, wherever books are sold. Additionally, Stephen and Brooke are the founders of the Elliott Fund, which exists to advocate for reform and how the unseen wounds of war are viewed and treated so that the broken places can be made whole. To learn more, visit elliottfund.org with two L's and two T's. I hope you'll join us for part two of their story. And in the meantime, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you get yours. And consider joining our Patreon community to help us produce more content like this. Visit patreon.com slash fierce marriage to learn more. Until next time, stay fierce.